All right. How's everybody doing today? Good, good, good. So, as you guys know, I don't do this very often. So you're in for some sort of treat, I guess. Honestly, so as far as preaching goes, this is time number two. The first time was in a Sunday evening, and there were like nine people here. So I typically end up running really fast through stuff when I'm nervous. I hope that doesn't bother you guys, because that might get you out of here a little early. But I do have a, I do have a lot of words. We'll see what happens, though. So um, <clears throat> when, when you're thinking about things to preach about, if you're a, a I guess, a, a, a professional preacher like Jonathan and you, you're preaching through the book of Acts and things like that, you've got a number of things that you're always going to be preaching about. But since I only do this every now and then, I guess the only thing I can preach about is the gospel. I've got to preach the gospel message, right? Um, so Martin Luther, uh, he's quoted as saying, the certain mark by which a Christian community can be recognized is the preaching of the gospel in its purity. So Preaching the gospel in its purity, when I hear that, the only way you can do that is through Scripture itself. You let Scripture speak for the gospel. And that's what I'm going to start with today. Um, so before we get started, um, you have that? Okay. Go ahead. Fire that thing up. It's ready. Um, the gospel obviously means the good news. And since I'm going to let Scripture take it from here, I'm going to pray over the Scripture first, and then we'll get started. Lord, uh, just uh, be with the message today, and uh, let me be a, a, a good messenger for the gospel. Let me spread it effectively, and let it touch anybody's uh, life, that it, life that it needs to. Let it touch hearts, and uh, let us be stronger through it because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so, obviously the word gospel means good news. It's good news that the gospel happened. It's not only good news, to me, it's the best news of anything that's ever happened. I think that's the way it should be. It's the best news in history. Nothing beats it. Nothing could come close. And I think that, you know, some of us, we hear the gospel a lot, and, and, and the gospel should never get old, but I think sometimes we need to remember the state we're in without the gospel, because we were all there at one time. At one time, we accepted the Lord, or maybe we haven't, but for, for most of us, that, that's what happened. And I think it's, it's, it's important to remember that, that state. And so, I was thinking about ways to present this, and I was thinking about the way that I think about it. And the way I think about it is, imagine that as you're sitting here, this is your last day on earth because you've committed some heinous crime, and you're just waiting the executioner to come to your jail cell, open it up, take you away, and you live your last, last day ever. No more good days, no more bad days. You've committed a crime, and you're about to pay the penalty. There's no hope, and there's no way out, right? So now, there you are in your cell, in your sorrow, in your grief, over your last day on earth, and some stranger comes up who sees you and is so moved by what, what happens and what's going on with your life that you're so torn up about your situation that he's overcome with compassion, and he says to the warden, let me take that person's place, and the warden lets him. So that's our exact human situation without the gospel. Pre-gospel, we, are, we have a death sentence. We will die, and we will not make it to heaven. That's the, the, the plain fact of the Bible, and that's the core of the, the gospel. So if you think about that death row analogy about the person taking your place, and they come to you and, they, and the warden says, you're free to go. You're free to go because this guy took your place. Now, how would you feel? This person is going to be put to death now, but you're able to go live your life 
day in, day out, good days and bad, but you have them all before you because that person took that away from you. And that, that's, I think we would feel like a mix of relief because we're, we're free of that debt, but we'd also be in mourning over the person who did this. We didn't deserve that person. We knew we were guilty, and they decided to do that for us. Now, obviously, this is just a loose analogy to Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus. That's what he did for us. And the reason I want, to put your, want you to put yourself in that situation is because I think it's important to kind of grasp onto a feeling, that feeling of what Jesus has done for us a little bit in order to go through when you, we start reading the scripture is to grab that feeling, hold on to it a little bit, and then uh, so that way we can really appreciate what's going on here. Now, <clears throat> we should always feel this way about the scripture, about the gospel. We should always feel that way we would feel towards having our debt re- 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 uh, relief from that debt, that, that it was, our place was taken. That, that, warden is this, that If that warden tells you you're free, you would never want to stop hearing that. Like, tell me again, I'm free? Okay, I'll take that. Wait, one more time. All right, now I'm going to walk out the door. Now, so, um, as I was saying, Martin Luther said that the gospel should pre- be preached in its purity. So, this is where we're going to let Scripture take it from here. What I did was I compiled, like, a kind of a top ten list of gospel-based uh, verses. And uh, this is supposed to give us a pure gospel message. So, we'll start with number ten. So, this is Romans 3, 23 through 26. Now, they're in a little bit of order, but not, not too much. So, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. God presented him as an atoning sacrifice in his blood, received through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so that we would be righteous and declared righteous, the one who has faith in Jesus. Number nine is uh, one a lot of us are familiar with. So John uh, 3, 16 and 17. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So number eight is uh, Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. So number seven is from 1 Corinthians 15, verses three and four. So for I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Number six, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Number five. So Romans 5, 8, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Number four, we're getting there, is uh, 1 Timothy 1, 15. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. So number three is uh, also from uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2 verses 5 and 6 for there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity the man Jesus Christ 
who gave himself as ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. Number two, it's First Peter uh, 2, 24 and 25. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like street, sheep gone astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And number one, 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered for sins once and for all, the righteous and for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Okay, so going back to our death row analogy, we know that we are prisoners to sin, right? That in our state, we've all sinned, and we're all born of sin. And that we, all we have to do for this freedom is to believe that Jesus, the Son of God, died for us and was raised from our sin, or raised, raised from the dead for our sins. And that we have to confess these facts so that we can walk out of that prison debt-free. That is the gospel, pure and simple, presented mostly by Scripture itself with, with me summarizing at the end. So, <clears throat> the good news of the gospel is that it begets more good news. So, there we go. So, the gospel is all we could ever hope for in our lives. It's all we couldn't ask for it. It's it's just way too much to ask for. But we're given to us, and we don't deserve that kind of grace that's shown to us by God. But He gave it to us. But have you ever seen those commercials where they're like selling you something for nineteen ninety nine, and they go, "But wait, there's more!" Right? Have you seen that? So the good news of the gospel is, wait, there's more. It turns into more good news with what it does to our hearts. See, as believers. Um, there are changes in us once, once we become saved. Once we're saved, there are changes, right? So what happens is that we could just be taken up when we're saved and we're done, right? You've been saved, it's time to go. But that's not the plan that God has for us. We've got to spread this around. So as far as what happens to our hearts, we, Ezekiel thirty six twenty six says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So that's heart of flesh is what the mark is of a true believer. That's what we have to offer the world. That's how we interact with the world. That is what God designs for us to do the things that he wants us to do. And it's a heart that's driven by a love of God and a love for others. And it's a heart that follows what Jesus said when he was asked what the two greatest commandments are. And you know I love these. But he said to love God with basically everything that we are and to love others as we love ourselves. And this is the same heart that also makes us want to be obedient to God. It wants, makes us want to put away our sin nature to various degrees of success, but we all, we all struggle with it. But that heart should be in the heart, is, is in the body of the true believer. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18 say this. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So these are the things that we have to think about as far as what comes from that heart of flesh, right? We rejoice because we carry the good news of the gospel in our hearts. And we pray constantly because our hearts need that closeness to God that prayer provides. And also, it's a way to bring our troubles and praises to him. We can talk to God through our heart of flesh. And we always give thanks for the blessing of the gospel and the good news about Jesus. So the heart of the believer is these things, and the heart of the believer is also peaceful. It's full of love, and it allows us to rejoice even though hardships come into our lives, some hardships that 
a lot of other people would just buckle under. Believers can handle that a little bit better because of that heart of flesh. That doesn't, we were discussing this morning in Sunday school, that doesn't mean that because you have faith in this heart, that grief doesn't still exist. They're not mutually exclusive. You will still grieve. You would just not let that grief overcome you in your life. You'll still mourn people, but you're not going to mourn people to the point where you can't continue on in your life. And so that heart of flesh comes from that good news, right? But wait, there's more. There is, I promise. Even more good news, right? Now, this is where I'm going to spend a lot of time. So if you guys thought I was almost done, even though I'm on 0.3, no, not quite. So one heart carrying the good news of the gospel can change the world. We've seen it through missionaries. We've seen it through the apostles. One heart can change the world when it's touched in this way. But our hearts have been designed by God to be parts of the larger body, right? The church. So Ephesians uh, 4, 11 through 16 says this. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of God's son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed about by waves and blown around in every direction Every, by every wind of teaching, by, by human cunning, with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. So one of the things that that, that kind of shows us is is our hearts are meant to be together, together in a church. We are supposed to be here with each other. It's not something that we're doing out of obligation. It's something that our hearts should yearn for when we have the heart of flesh. It's something that we have to come together for because we have to, we have to use that, that togetherness to, to carry on the ministry. So when you see, hear somebody sometimes, they'll say, well, I don't need church. I can listen to it on TV if I want to, but I'm a believer. I know where I'm at. I don't need church. And, and that should be concerning a little bit because that heart of flesh, as verse, as verse 12 in Ephesians 4 says, is, is equip, is equips, the, equips the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body in Christ. Our hearts would not be equipped for, with the gifts that we have for ministry if we weren't supposed to go out and use those hearts in the ministry, right, and do it together. And so when we come together as a body of believers, uh, we find that strength against uh, being tossed about by those waves and blown in every direction by every wind of teaching, right? And deceitfulness. When we're not together, we, we come, become prey to the things outside the walls. We, we get into bad influences. We get into things like that. We, we, we have to be together to be built up in the right way and not find some, somebody who will tell us that our way is the wrong way, our way is not good for you. We can't let other people determine what happens in our souls and what happens in our work for Jesus. <clears throat> and so when you see that stuff, I mean, like, that's, that's something we see when we see people who say, I don't need church anymore. I, I'm good to go. I don't need to come there to be saved, and I'm doing what I can. But that person's not doing what they're designed to do. They're not being effective for God. So what does it look like when all these hearts of flesh come together in the proper way? Enough of the doom and gloom stuff. 
What's it look like in a situation where those hearts come together and they're joined together to do good things? So to give you an idea of that, I'm going to tell you a little story about how I came to be here at Grace. Bear with me. (laughs) So I think this fall will be 17 years for me having been here. I know probably some of you people are like, hey, you just got here yesterday. But 17 years this fall will be uh, the first time I walked through those doors. And uh, that year, it was 2001, and it, it was, I mean, it's a hard year for a lot of people. But that year shaped my life like pretty much no other years has ever or maybe will ever except for the birth of my children and marriage to my wife. But um, so late that summer, I was a, a, I was a young paratrooper. I was returning from a deployment to Kuwait. I'd been in Kuwait for six months. And I was just, I was looking forward to trees. I was looking forward to family. And Angel and I had started talking and we had started planning, maybe go out on a date. So I was looking forward to that as well. And um, so I had my first, uh, first date with Angel. Serendipity was what we went to see at the movies. That's not a really good movie, but that's what we did. So, um, and then just within a couple of weeks, 9-11 happened. And so after 9-11, I decided I needed to re-enlist, serve my country some more. Uh, I got promoted to sergeant. I went to the NCO Academy. That whole fall was just a whirlwind. People, were, people I knew were going to war. I was thinking I might have to go jump into some place in Afghanistan that I'd never even heard of. There was a lot going on. And um, life was so hectic, and it was scary. And so, but I was fortunate enough that I didn't have to go anywhere. And so through the holidays, I was able to come home. Uh, Angel was in college, but she was able to come home. And we were able to spend time together over the holidays. And uh, one of the things that, uh, that, that she did was Christmas had rolled around, and she invited me to a Christmas play at her church. And uh, <laughs> so and that wasn't the first time, like I said, it wasn't the first time I visited here. But, you know, it, it, was, it was a different thing. I came in. The play was the Christmas shoes, by the way. And uh, Mandy back there was in it. Mandy, uh, Anthony Brooks, um, uh, Freddie Gratz, Sarah Gratz, they were all in this play, right? It was the Christmas shoes. And I came in here, and there's right here, there was a bunch of shoes laid out on this table. I'm like, what is going on here? Is this the Christmas play or is this the shoe sale? I didn't, I didn't know what's going on. So, um, now, as a young paratrooper that I described, that wasn't, that wasn't my typical weekend uh, weekend entertainment, if you, if you know what I mean. I wasn't used to hopping into a church and seeing a, in a Christmas play. And I tell you what, back then, you would have never convinced me that I'd be up here in one of these things, much less be Mr. Carmichael to all the kids for the rest of my life. <laughs> so, um, but, but that play, I mean, and, and Christmas Shoes is kind of a hokey song. I mean, I will admit that. But that play and, and, and the people here, it moved me a lot, like a lot, a lot. And, and I, I had given my, my, my heart to the Lord when I was a teenager. But that night, the Holy Spirit reminded me, hey, you've gotten kind of far away from some things. And uh, kind of gotten far away from where, where God had wanted me to be. But um, so we went through the play, and it was, it was cute. It was nice. It was, it was fun. But uh, after that play, we, uh, we walked down the street here to the Ruritan. They, Ruritan, they had a, a little Christmas, uh, uh, I don't know, like a, a, some sort of... 
I don't know, event, little little play or something they were giving out. I think there were oranges involved. I can't quite remember. There was candy and oranges, and uh, the rotan was kind of run down. I remember that. But I remember walking down the street. I was walking down the street with my future wife and my future in-laws. And um, with, for Angel, I already knew I was falling in love with Angel. I already knew at that point that that's, that's where my heart was going. But that night at Grace, and the way it felt... It was so special to me that I knew I was starting to fall in love with our church, too, at that point. And so I think about that anytime I see new people come in. I think that I wonder if they're having that same experience I had. I mean, I didn't have it the first time I came through the doors. But that Christmas play, that was something. That, that made me love this church. And, and, and I'm kind of envious because you want that first-time love again. But I'm kind of envious when I, when I see that. I wonder if people are having a Christmas shoes experience. So, but that feeling... That came together. That's what happens when those hearts of flesh come together, come together to worship the Lord. That's the feeling that happens. It makes people want to be here. And we, when we get that right, this place just explodes with love and because of the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. I, I know we all love this place, and, and you'll probably have your own Christmas shoes moments if you, if you haven't had them. Just wait. It's probably coming. But I think it's, and I think it's important to remember that feeling because I th- sometimes I think, though, that you know, remember that feeling's good, but a lot of times we get caught up in that feeling a little bit too much as far as it happened in, in the past. And, and I think that sometimes the feelings of this place are so good that we kind of hold on a little too tightly, if you know what I mean. Like we hold on to that period of time or that moment, these moments we have here. And I think that that's, that sometimes, you know, during the past 17 years, I can't tell how many people have just, we know, all know that have walked out the doors and never, never able to come back in. I think a lot of us have seen that. I mean, even beyond that, I mean, a lot of us have lost people that we'd love to see come back through those doors one more time, but just aren't going to. And I think holding on to the past too tightly, that kind of might help us, stop us from growing as a body. So because we have these hearts of flesh, I think that that, that idea that people leave and don't come back, I think it hurts. It hurts us a little bit more. While we can be rebound from things, I think we feel things a little deeply in that heart. We miss the people that were here. And I think if you look around, you kind of tell that we miss people. There are memorials dedicated to, to various people. You see them on the doors everywhere. You'll, you'll see these little plaques. And, um, and I think that th- those plaques and things, we do that out of respect for the people. We do that to, to honor the memory and because we miss them. There are missing parts from our whole body, right? And... I think, though, that we, we have to be careful with that. I think we have to be careful that we don't get stuck in memoriam, right? So it's, it's great to respect the people. It's great to honor their memory. But you have to be careful not to get stuck in the past with those people. Because if you do that, the church, with all its hearts coming together, it becomes more of a museum than it does a hospital for sinners, as, as, as Floyd used to say. And... The good news about our body of believers is that the Lord renews it from time to time. And when parts of us leave, the Lord supplies us with new parts, new hearts that come in and fill those gaps. And we have to keep that in focus because while we can memorialize people and we keep this place as a monument to people who have left us, we have to make sure that that doesn't get in the way of the renewal that, that God's trying to give us. One of the, one of the uh, quotes I saw on this, one of the little comments somewhere that somebody said was, uh, we were talking about how to keep yourself eyes on the future. Was a windshield is so much bigger than the rearview mirror because what's in front of you is so much more important than what's behind you. And I, I think that 
we have to remember in those cases that our hearts of flesh are geared towards rejoicing. And they're not geared to be stuck in mourning. And I guarantee that anybody who has their name on here, anybody who's going on to be with the Lord, would much rather us remember them by spreading the gospel than they would to have a, a plaque with their name on it on something. I can guarantee that if they're with the Lord, that's what they're thinking. And so one of the things there is, is if we love one another enough and we see people that are clinging to the past like that, or we see people who are stuck in their grief over losses. Now, I don't want to discount losses because I know in this room that there are a lot of losses, losses that I have not been through myself, losses that I can't fathom. So I don't want to diminish that at all. But out of love, we should be able to take those people and take them out of their grief and say, you still have a place here with us. We still have work to do, and we need you to do that. And that's what the Lord wants for our body here. And likewise, if, if we're stuck in mourning, we're supposed to remember those things. Now, I want you, we, all, we should also always remember that when our hearts and flesh come together as a body of believers, it's a spiritual body. It's not physical. So this building and all the stuff in it could burn to the ground tomorrow, and this church would still exist because of this body of believers, because of how these hearts come together. So sometimes when we get caught up in things that don't matter, when our eyes are stuck here instead of outside the doors, I think we're forgetting about who we are. Because this place, when I came in the front doors of it, and I started having a Christmas shoes moment, it wasn't because the architecture was splendid and that the decor was amazing. I didn't care about any of that stuff. I cared about the feeling. I cared about the people, right? And if we get stuck in this building too much, we forget to be on fire for the Lord. And we forget that each one of us has a part in that. Each one of us is missed when we're not here. Each one of us provides an amazing amount of support when we are here. You know, we're talking about the, uh, the block party and we need helpers. Uh, we'll pull it off because we always pull it off. We always have the people we need. The Lord has always provided that. But if you're looking for something to do, if you're looking to get into that, if you're looking to break through and become a new part of the heart of this place, there's an opportunity next week, next Saturday. We need all hands on deck to do anything you can. So if you haven't signed up and you want to, we'd love to have you. And so I think that in that, in that vein, if we determined that this building was standing in the way of the things we wanted to do, and we wouldn't just tear it down in order to get out there and do the things we needed to do for others to spread this gospel, to make sure that everybody had what they needed to have in their hearts, then our hearts aren't in the, wrong aren't in the right place, and we don't have that heart of flesh working in us, and our hearts becoming a little bit more stone again. And so I think the one thing I always say, because I always preach on love or talk about love, is that we have to remember to cherish one another more than we cherish the past. And we do all that with, with we, we use our hearts of flesh and go out to give others the chance to know Jesus and to come to, know, come to know this kind of fellowship, come to have their own Christmas shoes moments, right? That's the beauty of the gospel, right? And so, I'm going to wrap it up pretty quick here. The, uh, the gospel is, is everything, right? It's the beginning of everything. It, it, everything in scripture revolves around the gospel, so the good news, and the good news of the gospel, which is enough, it flows into every aspect of the believer's life, creating more and more and more good news, even more, right? And so it also changes our hearts. And when those hearts come together, as God has designed, his kingdom's furthered. God has put us together here 
as a group of believers. And sometimes we have fights and sometimes we have arguments and sometimes we want to leave each other alone and wallow in our grief and we can't do that. We have got to support one another. If one of us is hurting, we've got to support that person. That's the first thing. Love first before everything else. Um, and so in that vein, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 1-4 through 4 say, say this, um, and I'm going to close with this, is first of all then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for everyone for kings and all those who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity this is good and it pleases god our savior who wants everyone to be saved and come to not to come to the knowledge of the truth so what i'm going to do now is we're we're going to close out um we're going to we're going to have our invitational time i'm going to close out in prayer um so if there's anybody here who doesn't know the gospel or they don't know that they have the heart of flesh working in them, if they don't know what they've got going on inside their hearts, if they're not sure, if you don't know, there's a puppet theater there in front of the altar, but we'll make some room. We've got plenty of room for everybody. And if you need some prayer, you need to do something to let go of the past, or you're holding on to something that's getting in the way of you, you know, going out and doing the things we need to, come on down and pray about that too. Everything that you have grieving in your heart, all that stuff, the altar's open, and I think that if you that the invitation's here. So once I'm going to close this in prayer, and we're going to sing our invitation. If you want to come down and pray about anything or have somebody pray for you, we're right here to do it. So uh, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this uh, time to uh, preach the gospel and, and spread your word. I don't get the, uh, the opportunity very often, and I hope that what I've said is pleasing to you. Lord, please be with us. As we go about our lives today, as we, we leave this place and come back later this evening, uh, please uh, just be with us in our efforts at the block party that, that we're able to touch lives with it, that we're able to provide for the children of our community who don't have a lot. And Lord, just bless the, uh, the volunteers and the people who are helping to carry it out. Uh, and just, Lord, just be with those who aren't here, those who, uh, who we're missing today. And uh, just let us all be able to let go of some of the grief we have of things in our lives. Let, us, let, the, let our focus be on you and let, us, let our focus be on now and our church family and let this family grow strong and close together and that let us forgive each other when we, when we make each other angry and let us love each other through the hard times. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen.